0: Hello, and welcome to Capital Compass. We are the official podcast of the New York State Catholic Conference. I'm your host, Jillian. Today, in episode 21, I'll be talking with Father Larry Rice, Paulist priest and chaplain at Rensselaer Polytech Institute, about campus ministry. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Father Larry Rice. He is a Paulist priest and currently the chaplain of Rensselaer Polytech Institute, also known as RPI. Before this assignment, some of his most notable positions included director of the University Catholic Center at the University of Texas, the Paulist director of vocations, as well as first consulator and director of St. Mary's on the lake, the Paulist father's summer retreat at Lake George. He also served in Washington, D.C. on the staff of the Intercommunity Telecommunications Project and at Paulus Media Works. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Jillian. Great to be with you.
0: So we're here to talk about campus ministry. So in general, can you explain to our listeners what does a campus chaplain do?
1: Oh, boy. Um, it's, it's one of those things where uh, it's different every day. Uh, primarily, a uh, campus chaplain's responsibility is to look after the spiritual life of the university, of the students, but also the faculty, staff, alumni, and community members that are connected to the university in some way. Um, In most of my assignments at the University of Texas in Austin, and at the Ohio State University in in Columbus, Ohio, um, I was running a Catholic center which was literally a place for the Catholic community there. Uh, My situation at RPI is a little bit different. It's a little bit broader because I am the chaplain for the entire Institute. So I am responsible for the spiritual life and spiritual development and support of everybody on this campus. So I coordinate all of the student religious organizations, um, not just the Catholic ones. And I work with a team of uh, interfaith uh, associate chaplains that are also working with those student groups. But I'm also the one that uh, RPI calls upon if they need someone in an official capacity, whether it's to do a benediction or an invocation at the academic convocation that starts the year or at commencement or at any of the major university events that happen in between. So it's a little bit of everything. Some of it is doing direct service with students, providing spiritual direction or pastoral counseling, answering their religious questions. It's also working with uh, specific student programs and organizations like the Newman Catholic Fellowship and our Knights of Columbus Council. Uh, But I also tend to work very closely with the rest of the Division of Student Life. So for example, um, the university, through their, uh, their health center, has a wellness promotions office, and I do periodic programs for students through them. So it's a little bit of everything.
0: Now, um, I, I do want to ask, because as I mentioned earlier, one of your first assignments um, was the Intercommunity Telecommunications Project and paulus Media Works. So how did your journey come to be from... You know, being in communications and media to uh, becoming a campus chaplain.
1: Well, I've I've always been interested in communications. So shortly after I was ordained, uh, I was assigned to intercommunity telecommunications, which later became Paulus Communications and Paulus Media Works. And because of my interest in communications, that was a chance for me to work in radio and television production, to do satellite-based teleconferences to do marketing communications campaigns. And you know, back in the very early days of those things, I was the one that really started to establish a Paulus presence on the internet. This is back in the days when computers were steam powered. <laughs> uh, seems like a long time ago. Um, so b- because I have that interest in communications and in technology, that was a really good fit for me. Um, after I'd done that for several years, Um, the Paulus really needed me in an assignment that was in Catholic campus ministry at Ohio State. So that was an opportunity to move into a new area, but one that was always very close to my heart. When I was an undergraduate at Penn State, uh, I was very involved in the Catholic campus ministry there. And, uh, you know, it it, it felt, you know, I felt very much at home to be back in a Catholic campus ministry setting at a big state university, because that's what I knew when I was in college. Um, and, And I really absolutely love working in campus ministry. It's great to be with people when they are at a really critical point in their lives. When they are away from home, maybe for the first time, they're out on their own, they're making their own decisions, good and bad. They're making their own mistakes and learning from them, we hope. And they are making decisions about the direction of their life. And you know they have to come to an adult appropriation of their faith in a way that maybe they haven't previously. And it's also a time when they're doing a lot of vocational discernment, figuring out what they, what they want their life to be and where God is challenging them to move in very particular ways. Something like 70% of university students in the US change their majors at least once, you know, and that tells us that there's a lot of discernment going on here and, you know, because I was also vocation director for a while, um, you know, I understand how that discernment works and I think it's really important. And I think part of the, the important function of Catholic campus ministry is to work with our students individually and as a whole community to help them develop some tools around that kind of discernment.
0: Now, um, before you joined RPI in 2021, the community had been without a chaplain for a full two years. So what has it been like to rebuild that community kind of from scratch?
1: Uh, It's been challenging. Um, I often tell people that when you are working with university students, forever is three years, because that's about as long as anybody remembers. And uh, this was compounded because uh, they were not only without a chaplain because of the shortage of priests in the diocese here, but also because of the COVID pandemic, the campus had been shut down and they were very tentative about reopening and there were a lot of restrictions on who could meet and where people could meet and and all those things. So it really was a situation that uh, really required me to come in and work on rebuilding the entire campus ministry almost from the ground up. Now, fortunately, there's a, there's a non-student resident community at the parish here, and they are a great point of continuity. They're kind of the institutional memory, and they've been very helpful in getting a lot of those things relaunched. Uh, and I also have to say that the staff at RPI and the Student Life Division have been very helpful and very supportive. I think they are very glad to have a chaplain back on board, and uh, they've, they've really worked very hard to integrate me into the rest of the staff.
0: Um, now, you mentioned this a little bit before, but your title also includes serving as the coordinator of religious affairs on campus for the Institute's Division of Student Life. So what is it like to collaborate with chaplains of other religions, and you know, why is this so important?
1: Well, yeah, for a couple of reasons. I want to start off by saying that ecumenical and interfaith collaboration and dialogue is part of the Paulist charism. That's something that's always been very important to us. So on that level, this is a really good fit for me. Uh, But when you are working at a big secular institute and like a, a university, we have people here from every state of the union and from all over the world. And they come here with their own religious traditions and their own needs. And our goal is to help them feel welcomed here and part of the community and to try and meet those religious needs that they have. So if somebody comes to me and, you know, they really need to talk to a rabbi, I know who to refer them to. If they need the imam, I've got his phone number, you know? And, and so it's, it's really important to be able to uh, help provide some of those kinds of connections and also just to help our students connect with each other, even if they don't have uh, like an organized student group, uh, I can give you a good example of that, I, I got a, a, a contact from a student last week, uh, who is Hindu and is trying to figure out how to get to the temple in Albany for a big festival next week. And the problem is that freshmen aren't, generally speaking, allowed to have cars on campus. And he figured out it would take him two hours each way on public transit to make it the seven miles to this temple. When I mean, you could practically walk it in that. <laughs> uh, but I remembered that last spring, I was uh, involved in an issue with a student who was also Hindu. And who is very devoted to his faith and needed to be able to get to the temple every Sunday. And so he had applied for an exemption to the policy that said freshmen can't have cars on campus. So I remembered this and I thought, I'll just put these two guys in contact with each other. And maybe they can help each other and provide a little bit of support. And they can make it to the temple for the, the appropriate uh, holy days that, they're, that they have coming up. So, you know, I do those kinds of things to try and serve students, whatever their religious faith is. Uh, but we also have done some specifically interfaith things. Last spring, we had uh, an interfaith dialogue evening in which we brought in religious leaders from various different religious traditions. And we had a big barbecue cookout at the Chapel and Cultural Center. And that was followed by a dialogue panel in which students could ask questions and get answers from various perspectives from from the the rabbi, the imam, from me, from the Protestant associate chaplain. Uh, And it was a really good day of dialogue. And I think our students really enjoyed that. Uh, We don't have nearly enough opportunities for that kind of dialogue. So I'm I'm really glad that there's, there's a real desire for that here.
0: Kind of piggybacking off of that, you know, um, just in general, uh, you know, at least in the Catholic Church, overall attendance is uh, probably at one of the lowest rates in decades, you know. So how can we encourage young adults to get more involved in their faith life?
1: Um, This isn't going to make me any friends, but I'm going to say it anyway. We have to improve what we are offering them. Yep. (laughs) You know, if, if people find our liturgies boring and uninspiring, that's not their fault. <laughs> that's on us. We've got to make sure that our liturgies are beautiful and faithful and well done. And we've got to make sure that our preaching speaks to them and to their experience. And the music has to be something that engages them. You know, when when young adults today are streaming music from their phones laptops and tablets all day long they've got access to a lot of really good music and they won't they won't stay with a church or a parish that does music badly at liturgy you know that's where our music should be the best yep and yet so many parishes really struggle to put together a really good music ministry and you know one of the things that i always ask people when they tell me that they you know they're not seeing any young adults in their parish i'm saying well how's your music <laughs> i think there's a real direct connection there but it's also important that young adults have something at the parish that engages them where they can feel their faith growing where they can be asked to contribute not just financially but also through the volunteer opportunities and programming that's available. You know, they wanna contribute. I I will tell you a story uh, that uh, has stuck with me. When I was in Texas, one of the things that I noticed when I was up on the altar on Sundays was that when the offertory baskets were being passed, all of our university students would like pass them so fast, it was like they were on fire. And I finally realized that the reason they were doing that is they don't carry cash. And if you don't carry cash, when that basket comes by, it's just awkward. Yep. (laughs) You know, they're not going to go to an ATM and get a $20 bill because first of all, they're not going to give us a $20 bill. But also, that's just not how they work. And I knew that all of our students were very generous because I saw it in every other aspect of their lives. So the obvious problem is we are not prepared to receive in the ways that they are prepared to give. So I started asking our students, how do you exchange funds? And they all said, we do everything with Venmo. (laughs) So I said, okay, we're gonna accept offertory contributions by Venmo. And it took a little doing to get it set up because there's not an obvious way to do that. You know, using Venmo's own platform, you've got to, you know, work around a couple of things, but it's doable. And, you know, so at every, at every mass at, at Offertory now, we tell people now is the time that you can take out your phone, our Venmo ID is this, and thank you for the ways that you support what we do here. And they give. You yep. know, But that was a typical example of us realizing that we have to change to meet the needs of Catholic young adults. Yep. And and it usually doesn't even involve having to change our doctrine or change what we believe or change how the church is structured. We just have to change how people relate to us.
0: And, you it, know? yep, the issue with a lot of uh, young adults is the relation of the – older generation compared to the newer and you have to figure out a good median
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and you know the part some of that means we have to be in dialogue with them to find out what they want and what they need and how things work for them when we first started accepting offertory by venmo you know venmo as you know you can leave comments for the transactions that you put through their platform and lots of people said, thank you so much for letting us do this, yep. you know, because it not only gave them the opportunity to give, it also communicated to them that as a church, we understand what their lives are like.
0: Exactly. Uh, the relatability speaks so much for people of, under you know, of, creates more of a community aspect.
1: Yeah. Well, I think people realize that they belong. Exactly. That we have a place for them and that they matter to us. That's not too much to ask of church.
0: <laughs> so actually, speaking of that, I know uh, personally, uh, I had some worries and skepticism before joining our local young adult Catholic community. You know, I was worried about things like uh, if others would be too religious for me and, you know, things like that. But so what are your words of encouragement um, for somebody, you know, debating getting involved in their campus ministry?
1: Well, I I think it's important to just try something out. You know, you don't have anything to lose. You know, go to a Bible study, show up to a meal. We do a lot of meals around here. You know, uh, talk to somebody after mass. You know, we've started doing, you know, receptions or coffee and donuts after almost all of our weekend masses. Just because after the pandemic, people are looking for a way to kind of reconnect and food is a great way to do that. Um, So I just encourage people to jump in and find a place where you feel like you're welcomed and you feel like this, this could be home for me. And and honestly, it may take a little bit of searching around to find the right place. But I think it's important enough. That that is a worthwhile search.
0: Yep. Now, uh, as a public policy office, I do I do want to ask: um, How can campus ministries help young Catholics become more engaged in public policy? You know, what are some of the issues maybe you've seen or you know heard from young Catholics uh, that they're attracted to?
1: I, I think that one of the things that is is an ongoing challenge for us really as a whole church and not just as campus ministries but you know we have we have this great wealth of resources in the whole range of catholic social teaching and a lot of young adults are very passionate about issues around justice and equality and the environment and the dignity of all people and those are ways that a lot of people will want to relate to us. And in order for that to happen, we've got to be conversant enough in those issues that we can talk about them in a way that helps people understand that they're relevant. You know, the one of the challenges that we face is that the vast majority of people in our country think that there are only two, possibly three moral issues that the church cares anything about. And that's just not true. Yep. You know, we have a whole range of Catholic social teaching and we have to be able to lean into all of those. Because those are things that that young adults care about. You know, they care about, you know, the, the care of the environment. They care about climate change. They care about immigration. You know, they care about, you know, making sure that everybody is treated with equity and respect and we don't spend enough time preaching about those issues and encouraging people and helping them understand that those things come to us right out of the scriptures and our Catholic tradition.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier that for people debating, getting involved in their campus ministry, you know, you guys have like coffee and donuts, but not every college has a campus ministry. Um, You know, why is it so important for campuses to have them? And, you know, how can we help communities and connection among young people?
1: Well, uh, one of the biggest challenges facing the church right now, obviously is the shortage of clergy. And so there are not enough priests to put one at every campus. We don't have enough to put one at every parish, you know, here in the Diocese of Albany, there are, Something like 127 parishes and 58 active priests and another 30 or so who are basically retired but still serving. And you know that's not enough for one priest per parish, let alone adding in the campus ministries in the diocese. So I think we need to figure out how we put enough resources into campus ministry so that. Competent lay ministers can be trained as campus ministers and can start working in those areas, and do that in a way that allows them to make a decent living and, you know, to, to have a just wage in the midst of that. Um, that's that's a big challenge for a lot of dioceses. Uh, short of that, you know, a lot of dioceses are connecting their campus ministries to their local geographic parishes. And that can work as long as that parish understands that Catholic campus ministry is part of the mission of that community and not just a group of people coming in to compete for resources. You know, I I think that one of the challenges for the church in the U.S. in general is to help all of our faithful and all of our parishes have a sense of mission you know, and it's not just about getting my needs met and getting my mass on Sunday and then disappearing for the rest of the week, but having a sense that as disciples of Jesus Christ, there is a particular mission that each of us is called to, to bring the message of the gospel and to bring Christ's compassion into the world. And the more we do that, the more our parishes will say, oh, there's this campus right nearby we should be doing something to support the faith of the young adults on that campus. And how can we collaborate to do that? Yep. Um, and it's happening in some places. It just needs to happen in a lot more places.
0: Yep. You have your own podcast of your homilies for the week. Uh, where can our listeners find it?
1: Funny you should ask. Um, my podcast is actually hosted at podbean.com but it's available through all the major podcast indexing sites, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, those kinds of places. Um, it's also on my Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com slash CSP. It's also on the Facebook page of the and cultural center. And just for something a little special and high tech, if you have an Amazon echo device, you can say to your echo device, there's one across the room here, so it may pipe up when I start speaking. You can say, "Alexa, play Father Larry's homilies." Come back to Father nice homilies. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear that, but she's she's playing my latest podcast. Yeah. Alexa, stop. That's <laughs> of that. Yeah.
0: Well, you already answered my question of, uh, I guess, where can people <laughs> find you too? So.
1: Yeah. No, those are the easy ways to do it. Um, You can also connect with us through our splendid brand new website, which is RensselaerNewman.org. And for people that aren't in the capital district, that's R-E-N-S-S-E-L-A-E-R-N-E-W-M-A-N.org.
0: All right. And lastly, what is the best way for people to get involved and support their local campus ministries?
1: Um, you know, I want to say there are a couple of ways that people can get involved. Um, the first one I think is to remember to pray for Catholic young adults and campus ministries, because as I often tell my staff, those of us who are working in campus ministries swim in an ocean of infinite need. (laughs) So, you know, we need that kind of prayerful support. Um, honestly, most of our campus ministries also need financial support so periodically if you think of it you know throw your local campus ministry some bucks and you know tell them this is this is to support the good work you're doing on campus if you want to become more directly involved get in touch with the staff shoot them an email or i don't know make a phone call and say you know what do you need help with do you need help running a bible study do you need help setting out you know donuts after mass uh, what can we do to support the things that you're doing and there'll be a lot of creative ways to do that you know some campuses have a program where they match incoming freshmen with local families so you know if you're living across country maybe you have a place to go for thanksgiving dinner or you know just have somebody off campus to connect to those are all great ways to get involved
0: all right thank you so much for coming on
1: It has been my pleasure, Jillian. I will look forward to uh, hearing the podcast once it's up.
0: All right. Thank you. God bless. Thanks for listening to Capital Compass. And thank you so much to Father Larry Rice for coming on the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be coming out with a new episode every other week. If you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and to catch all the latest from the conference, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NYSCatholicConf and on Facebook at NYS Catholic Conference. Thanks again, and God bless!